Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Did Ubisoft deceptively advertise The Division 2? A lawyer's view. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, I think we're just starting to wonder whether or not these publishers that run games as a service understand exactly what it is that they're doing when they put information about whatever game they're making out there. And I'm beginning to think that that might not be the case, but hopefully they'll learn. And today we're talking about another instance where I think you could have a credible deceptive trade practices claim against a publisher, in this case Ubisoft, as today it was revealed that the raid that they are launching in their games as a service, looter shooter game, The Division 2, will not have matchmaking which, in fairness to them, is pretty much the norm in the nascent and young looter-shooter genre, but is not how they advertise The Division 2. So let's take a look at the story that I saw that really led me to talking about this. And we're going to talk about this story, we're going to talk about the advertising that The Division 2 did, and we're going to go once again back to the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission's FAQ. There are frequently asked questions and answers about how to advertise, what deceptive advertisement is, how the Federal Trade Commission determines when something is deceptive or unfair, and see how this is a pretty clear-cut case of a deceptive advertisement, which, before we get into it, doesn't mean that there's necessarily a great claim, a great set of actions that you can undertake against Ubisoft, because this is a video game. This is going to be fairly low on the FTC's list of potential complaints. They're more concerned about drug overdoses and lawnmowers that chop off people's arms and things of that nature. Whereas here, you don't have that. You have a purely monetary damage if you can show that you wouldn't have spent the $60 or the $80 or the $100 if you knew Ubisoft was going to take this course of action. But let's take a look at the actual details of the story because I did find it interesting because in 2019, this has happened a few times where what somebody has said about their product doesn't in fact Uh, happened to be the case, and this was most seen with Anthem of late. So let's take a look. We're looking right now at a Kotaku article. It is called, The Division 2's First Raid Won't Have Matchmaking, Even Though Ubisoft Implied It Would. Implied is probably a little weaker than I would have put on this title, which is not something I often say about article titles. Usually they are a little bit more uh, sensationalized than I would put, but they are trying to uh, toe the line here. And I think Ubisoft was actually pretty expressed that the raid would have matchmaking and they don't, and the fact that they don't have it is potentially a significant problem for them. But here Kotaku is just saying they implied that it would. So let's take a look at the actual language used. It says, adopting the approach of its shoot and loot rival destiny. I prefer looter shooter, but shoot and loot works too. The Division's first raid, set for release on Thursday, tomorrow, will require that players manually connect with others to attempt the mission. 
in Destiny, which is its main competitor and is a first-person shooter where the division is a third-person shooter, but overall you have a similar kind of concept and you have a shared world, you have missions in that shared world, you have these things called raids, which are essentially end-game content that involve a high degree of communication, and that's why Bungie and Destiny have in the past decided to not have matchmaking, although some consumers disagree with that uh, decision by Bungie. They say, in Destiny, raids are intended to be tough challenges filled with battles and puzzles that require communication and teamwork, the kind of stuff that strangers are presumably more likely to fail at. The Division 2's raid will follow a similar template. It involves trying to liberate Washington, D.C.'s main airport from an enemy force, and it is also being touted as a complex endeavor requiring lots of teamwork and rewarding victors with exclusive loot. It will require players to have a gear score of 490 or higher. It'll have, require them to have top-end gear and ensuring it'll only be accessible to players who have reached the furthest depths of its end game. Fans aren't just upset that they won't be able to play if they don't know seven other players ready to attempt the raid with them. They're upset because an official promotional image for the game's online services released earlier this year and stated matchmaking is provided for every game activity and difficulty level. And we've got that website up here, so let's take a look at that right now. This is a website from February 16th of this year, so just about three months ago, so not years and years ago, well within the the footprint of their trying to sell The Division 2, which came out in March. And they put out this this, uh, image that had a number of things on it to talk about the online experience, to show that The Division 2 was going to have a good online experience. They were going to have dedicated servers. They were going to have enough servers for the whole world. They were going to use cloud infrastructure. They were going to have anti-cheat programming. They were going to have liberal bans to get rid of cheaters. They were going to help people find better connections. And in the bottom right corner, you see here, they say, matchmaking is provided for every game activity and difficulty level. And on this picture, you don't see any disclaimers. You don't see anything subject to change if we decide that that's not complementary of the game design we're trying to achieve. You don't see anything like that. And in fact, in this blog post itself, which is absolutely marketing for purposes of selling the game, you get down to matchmaking, and I've highlighted the language here, and it says, like in the first game, so there's already a historical precedent that they are trying to hang their hat on for why you would believe this would be the case in The Division 2, Matchmaking gives players the opportunity to find and group up with other agents for every in-game activity and any difficulty level. And so that's what they went out there with in February, before the game is released, before anybody knows what's in it, and in order to induce sales. And I would argue, as a gamer, as somebody that follows these things, the reason to have that kind of language in your marketing is specifically to induce sales as against what Bungie and Destiny has decided to do with their game. You're making a point of saying matchmaking is provided for every game activity and difficulty level because at Ubisoft, in their promotions department, you know that the fact that Destiny doesn't offer matchmaking for their raids has been a point of contention since Destiny 1 launched. That that has been one of the things that people and gamers have had a problem with the Destiny product. And you're sitting there saying, hey, we can advertise that that's not what we do. We're an alternative to Destiny because we can offer matchmaking for raids. And if you are unhappy with the fact that you can't play what everybody says is some of the best content in Destiny because you don't have a clan, you don't have the time, you don't have the ability to put together one of those teams, hey, come over to The Division 2 because we've got you covered. Matchmaking is provided for every game activity and difficulty level. Come over here, play our game. 
invest in our ecosystem, spend 60, spend 80, spend $100, and we will take care of you. And so I think it is well within reason for somebody to tell that story, to say, hey, I was always upset. I was always disappointed that I didn't get a chance to play that Destiny endgame content. And I'm really excited that Division 2 is going to have these raids, and I'm going to be able to matchmake into them. And I know there are problems with that. There could be other people that aren't at my skill level, that aren't very good at playing the game, or that otherwise are jerks. And I'm willing to take that risk because that's my risk to take. And you've sold me a game that allows me to take that risk. And that's what I have valued in the purchase that I have made. But Ubisoft, the reason we're having this virtual legality episode, has determined that they don't want to do that. And the reasons from a game development standpoint are essentially that they're worried that it'll make them look bad because it's so hard to do something that requires actual communication and teamwork if you have one of these groups that is essentially ad hoc, that is match made. And you see that in the quotes that they give here. I've highlighted a few of them. We do understand people have pulled up things we've said in the past about this subject. So here's where it's at in front of me right now. Division community developer Hamish Bodhi said in the franchise's weekly state of the game developer stream, we decided to not include matchmaking as we don't think this would make a good gameplay experience for random groups. Again, when people are reviewing the raid content, when they're reviewing what The Division 2 has to offer, when they're going on Reddit and saying it's great or it's terrible, they get worried, the developers get worried that if you have these ad hoc groups, it's going to be a bad experience. You're going to tell your friends you didn't have any fun with it. It's unplayable. It's impossible to complete. And that's going to create a negative cloud over what has to be a continuing game. That's how this was marketed. This is how this is budgeted. A game as a service is supposed to continue for a long time. And so they essentially want to prevent people from having a bad time with it. So much so that they prevent people from even making what they deem to be a slightly less efficient decision to look for a matchmaking group. And so they arrived at the same place that Bungie did, but they already had marketing out there that said they wouldn't do this. The next paragraph in this article talks about Destiny, says Destiny doesn't support it, but that The Division 2 was appeared to be supposed to have this option in its marketing. And then their live content person, Yannick Banchero, says, we have been having a lot of discussions about it. We want to make sure this experience is an experience where you have to prepare for it, where you have to build a team. That would mean there is a risk you would end up in a group that doesn't talk to each other, if we use matchmaking, doesn't talk the same language, or you didn't get prepared for it. Of course, the response to that is essentially, well, that's our mistake to make. That's what you sold us as a product. You didn't have any disclaimers on your marketing. And you see here on Twitter, fans kept posting the image about the game's online services that claimed that matchmaking would be available for all activities in the game, even though some fans online did say that they felt matchmaking would lead to poor raid experiences. But that sentiment was often countered by other people saying, they'd at least have appreciated the option to matchmake with strangers in lieu of manually assembling a raid crew. It is their mistake to make. That was the point of differentiation. One could say, that's why I bought The Division 2 instead of Destiny 2, or that's why I've invested in your ecosystem and paid microtransaction bucks or whatever it is that you're doing in The Division 2 because I thought this was coming, this was coming with matchmaking. And frankly, if you knew it wasn't coming with matchmaking, you had an obligation to tell people that really as soon as you had made the decision. Uh, and it certainly doesn't appear that you made the decision a day before it was going to launch. So that raises a different question of how long have you been selling the product with the understanding that there wouldn't be this matchmaking component at the raid level and allowed people to buy into your ecosystem 
today, yesterday, the day before, last week, after you've made the determination that there wouldn't be matchmaking in the raid. Obviously, there's a lot to unpack there. How many people bought it just for the raid? How many people bought it just for a raid that had matchmaking? But it is a reasonable claim for someone to make. And so I do think Ubisoft has opened themselves up to having that claim made against them. Certainly by the fact that we can pull up that website that we just pulled up and it's still sitting there. That's one thing that if I were in charge of Ubisoft, I would change immediately. I would pull that page or I would add an update or a disclaimer that says, subject to us deciding to have matchmaking or otherwise it won't be in the raid. Something specific to this particular set of facts because right now it's just sitting up there continuing to sell a game that clearly isn't being sold after what we've heard from them on this raid topic. Uh, Some other people in this article there that is quoted say, I don't really interact with many people in the game, but I really want to be able to play this content. And then Bodie at Ubisoft says, we want you to be able to play it too. So they're trying to indicate that they're listening to their community. We have no reason to believe they're not listening to their community. They decided that this was the best thing for their game. And I'm sympathetic to that. I think game developers should absolutely be able to decide what's the best for their game. But after they have sold the game as something... I am not sympathetic to them changing the deal after it's been made, at least if you don't even bother to have kind of the standard disclaimers that we can change it uh, however we want in this marketing, in these materials that they sold the game on. Now, I think there are arguments against this. I think they're fairly weak, but you could argue that when this advertising goes up in February and they say matchmaking is provided for every game activity and difficulty level, it's intended to only refer to the game difficulties and activities that are in the game at launch. I don't think that's a reasonable argument because games as a service are continually evolving and this certainly appears to be a forward-looking promise type statement that this is our philosophy behind The Division 2 and you can expect that everything that we add to the game will have this matchmaking component. I think that's what's conveyed as a reasonable person who has played games, who has worked in this industry, who enjoys games in this industry. I That's how I would interpret a statement like that. And I don't think you can walk that back without having people potentially uh, be as angry as they are and potentially seek uh, redress for that. So let's take a look at what the FTC actually says about this. If you have followed previous episodes of Virtual Legality, you will recognize uh, some of these materials from our discussions regarding Anthem and regarding Fallout 76 and some of the other problems that have plagued the industry of late as it moves into more of a games-as-a-service model and figures out what it can and can't do with patches and how it's advertised its games. I highly recommend checking out an earlier Virtual Legality episode on this topic regarding the fact that Anthem has ditched its roadmap. Uh, The roadmap that it had used to sell the game on launch date to try to assuage fears about how the beta for that game had gone. They put out a roadmap and then they walked it almost entirely back. And that really does start to look like deceptive advertising and problematic advertising for purposes of complying with Federal Trade Commission rules and the Federal Trade Commission Act. And so this is going to be a continuing problem for the Electronic Arts and the Activisions and the Ubisofts of the world, not the least of which the smaller independent studios. And people really need to have to focus on what it is that they're marketing their software as. I think the real best case in the near term is for these folks to stop having very specific quantifiable promises about what their product will be when it is presently in development and they don't know what it will look like even three months down the line. I mean, this website that we pulled up for The Division 2 is from February. So either they were lying then, which I don't believe and I don't need to believe to have this episode and to discuss this issue. But if they weren't lying, they didn't know what the thing would look like three months later. And that's software development. That's video game development. You don't necessarily know what your product or your service will look like 
in a fairly near-term situation uh, in the broader scheme of things. Three months is not that long of a time. But game companies, publishers, uh, public relations people, marketers need to be focused on this stuff because when you make a promise like this and you walk it back, and you walk it back the day before something somebody was anticipating and that they may have been anticipating when they made the initial purchase, you can get into trouble. So let's take a look at this. The Federal Trade Commission Act basically charges the Federal Trade Commission with making rules to prohibit uh, unfair or deceptive advertising or commercial practices. We've looked at the act itself. Uh, we don't need to do it in this video because it's very uh, by the numbers. That's all it does. It says, hey, Federal Trade Commission, go take care of this. Uh, we deem uh, unfair and deceptive trade practices to be unlawful. Go figure out what those are. We've talked about how commissions in the executive branch are given the task of promulgating rules under very broad laws. And this is what those rules look like. Uh, this says, what truth and advertising rules apply to advertisers, like Ubisoft in this case? Advertising must be truthful and non-deceptive. Advertisers must have evidence to back up their claims, and advertisements cannot be unfair. Now, at the time that they made this advertisement in February, we don't have any reason to believe that it wasn't truthful at the time. They anticipated that they were going to add matchmaking to raids. That's the story they would tell, even if it wasn't the case. But I have no reason to believe that it isn't the case. They wanted to put matchmaking on raids, and as the raid came together... In March, in April, in May, they decided, whoa, if we have pickup groups, if we have matchmaking put onto these raids, nobody's getting through them. It's very difficult for them to communicate. People are going to put bad reviews up on Reset Era and NeoGAF and Reddit. And so we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. So we're going to impose that you have a pre-made group that goes through these raids. We're going to take matchmaking out and marketing be damned. Uh, and so that means that it wasn't deceptive at the time that it went up, but it is deceptive in its entirety. It's, it's a lie, right? They said matchmaking would be everything uh, on all activities, and it's not going to be the case. Uh, and so what makes an advertisement deceptive? The FTC describes it as likely to mislead consumers acting reasonably under the circumstances, and it's material. It's important to a consumer's decision to buy or use the product. Now, when you put something in an advertisement, frankly, you already have indicated that there's a certain level of materiality. You're not spending that space in your image. You're not spending the time drafting language that you want to go out to the public on something that you as a seller of a product or service thinks is immaterial. Now, that's not the entirety of the inquiry. It doesn't necessarily mean it's material, but the fact that you put that box on your image, the fact that you spent a paragraph on it means you thought it was important, means that at least on the margins, you, saw, you thought somebody would buy the game based on the fact that this was part and parcel to how the game was developed. And I think that you were right. I think that the fact that you look at that Kotaku article and you have it tied to Destiny and you have it as a point of differentiation is a very standard marketing technique when you're making a product or when you're selling a product to say, our brand is different than that brand. So come over here because we do something that that brand doesn't do. And so you want to invest in our brand. That's what makes it material. And a reasonable person reading that language would say, okay, when the things come into the game and that raid I'm really excited about because I never got to play a Destiny raid, when that comes into the game and it has matchmaking, we're going to give it a try. Even if it's not good, even if it's not something that actually works terribly well, I want to have that matchmaking option because I've never gotten a chance to play a raid and the Division 2 is going to be my chance. So it's material. The way they framed it is likely to mislead. And now what does that mean? says, how does the FTC determine if an ad is deceptive? It says it looks at the reasonable consumer, the typical person looking at the ad. 
rather than focusing on certain words, it tries to determine what the message is conveyed. And I say Kotaku actually went light by saying it implies that it'll be in the raid. I think it pretty expressly says matchmaking will be in the raid. And a reasonable consumer looking to buy Division 2 that sees that piece of marketing would say, yeah, I think matchmaking is going to be in raids when they come in. The FTC looks at both expressed and implied claims. So even if it was just implied, as Kotaku suggests, and as we talked about, because it is a future activity, a lot of these rules aren't necessarily set up to really grapple with games as a service or software as a service or really anything that's kind of changing on the fly. So even if you assume it's an implied claim, the point is the FTC still looks at what's implied. And certainly the way that that language is read, even if they didn't intend for it to apply to a raid, and I don't think that's the case, it did in fact imply that matchmaking would be applied to a raid. So we've got both those bullets covered. The FTC looks at what the ad does not say. Uh, For example, if a company advertised a collection of books, the ad would be deceptive if if it did not disclose that consumers actually would receive abridged versions of the books. In other words, the Ubisoft folks could have solved this issue by saying it applies to everything, every activity, every difficulty level, but we haven't determined whether it'll apply to raids yet or not, or it doesn't apply to raids yet. If they were 100% honest in that that marketing, they could say what they want to say, but they have to have that disclaimer. They have to have some kind of asterisk, something that says, hey, for future activities, we don't know. Uh, We could say at launch. You could just put a simple parenthetical or an asterisk that says all of this applies at launch and everything after at launch is up for grabs because we as game developers need to be able to try to make what we think is the best experience for you guys. And if we don't have those rights, if we don't have that ability, that's going to really hamstring us in our development tasks. All of that would be fair. Ubisoft didn't do any of that as best I can tell. Finally, it says the FTC looks at whether the claim would be material that is important to a consumer's decision to buy or use the product. We covered that above, but basically the fact that it's in the advertisement, the fact that Kotaku really does explain why it's in the advertisement as a point of differentiation between Destiny and The Division 2, and because there are so many angry people about this particular claim, I think that it's fairly clear that this is in fact material. Uh, The final bullet point here, which I didn't highlight, is whether or not the company can support the ad. This is really more for fraudulent claims uh, when saying that uh, this piece of software cures cancer or this particular drug uh, is a cure for the common cold. You have to have evidence. You have to have scientific studies, something along those lines. This isn't that. This is actually providing a particular piece of content. So you don't really have to worry about that bullet that is kind of handled uh, on its own. Uh, How does the FTC decide what cases to bring? This is what we talked about earlier on. This is what makes it difficult for you to really bring a claim for deceptive advertisement, for a a claim that there is a significant problem here. They look for jurisdiction. uh, They look for geographic scope. They look to see whether it indicates a pattern of deception, which I don't think you can really hold Ubisoft's feet to the fire on. Uh, And then the, the real big one that I think holds you back from a true FTC claim, and this is a lawyer talking who's worked with regulatory agencies and bureaucratic bodies uh, his entire career, generally with the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Internal Revenue Service, but certainly some stuff with the Federal Trade Commission. They look to really see if somebody's been killed, somebody's been hurt, somebody's really had their life altered by this. And that's not the case with The Division 2. That's not really the case with any video games outside of burning your house down because they overheat your PlayStation or something along those lines. Uh, What happens here is that this is purely economic damages. You can say, hey, they sold me a bill of goods, uh, and those goods were not as they described them, and so I would not have spent that $60, and I would like my $60 back. 
Uh, and in general, economic damages are pretty much one of the lower things on uh, the, the totem pole because they are thought to be pretty low-level injuries. Monetary damages are absolutely damages. You were right to be angry about them. You're right to potentially bring a claim. And you might even have some success. Uh, who's to say? But I'm just trying to frame out this isn't a drug that kills you and they knew that it killed you. Uh, so this is a separate kind of item that we're discussing here. But it doesn't mean it isn't bad. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't hold the Ubisofts of the world's feet to the fire because they can do this better. They can be more honest in their marketing. And they need to learn this lesson, frankly, because this has become more and more of a problem through this generation. And it will continue to be a problem in the next generation if they don't start kind of getting their heads around what advertising they can do, what they should do when they are talking about these kind of evolving games, these live service games, these games as a service. What penalties can be imposed? They can have legally binding orders requiring companies to stop running the deceptive ad or engage in the deceptive practice. As I said earlier in this video, they should pull that website and that image down immediately. And even if they don't pull it down, they should put a marker on there that says this isn't entirely accurate. They should not be selling copies of The Division 2 from today on with the indications on the internet that there will be matchmaking provided for all services. They need to make that correction. They need to make that correction immediately. As I said at the top of this video, if somebody from Ubisoft is listening to this, this is not legal advice. You're not my client. So uh, this is all for information and education, but that's what they should do because otherwise that's the kind of thing that gets you into more trouble. Once you've made this decision, even if you can win an argument that said, hey, we didn't know at the time and you really shouldn't hold it against us because it's a continually evolving process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You need to change it now once you've made the decision. Other things the FTC can do. Sometimes advertisers have been ordered to give full or partial refunds to all consumers who bought the product. That seems the most likely and highest level penalty that could happen here. If you had a bunch of people that said, hey, I wanted to play endgame content. I wanted to play a raid with matchmaking. I wouldn't have bought this game if it didn't have matchmaking. And if it had discounts from the day that I bought it in the last three months, you could even hold that against them. I would have waited until this came out if they hadn't put that marketing out there. And so they gained these ill-gotten funds from me that they wouldn't have received at all. You might be able to make that claim. You might be able to get that claim through with a bunch of friends, especially if you've got a large group that's willing to go to, uh, with this argument together and say, hey, we want at least a partial refund. What's endgame content? We want 10 bucks. Uh, we want 10 bucks back because that $10 is what the endgame represents to us. And we're not going to get to experience it in the way you told us we would be able to experience it. So give us that $10 back. And maybe you get that $10 back in Ubisoft store credit or something else, but it's $10. Uh, or, or you can try to go for the full 60 or the full 100 or things of that nature. It's a possibility. It's a long shot uh, because we are talking about one part of one piece of a very, very large video game. I love The Division 2. If you saw it on my channel, I did a impressions video on The Division 2. I've had a great time with that game. I think they did a stellar job. I am disappointed that there isn't matchmaking in the raid because as a lawyer, I can't really work with clans. I can't really work with building up a whole group of people that are playing the division two. It's hard enough to come online at the same time as some people. So I understand why people are angry about this. And I had anticipated at least taking a flyer and trying out the raid with a pickup group and seeing how well we did. And that's not going to be available to me. And that is a bummer. And I also feel burned by the fact that it was known to me, even going into The Division 2, that this was one of the points of differentiation between their product and Destiny. And so I do feel that they have gone back on what was an important plank in their marketing platform. Uh, they also have, the FTC has the option of asking for corrective advertising, disclosures, and other informational remedies. As we talked about, this is one of those reasons Ubisoft should 
probably pull the page that currently talks about matchmaking and everything, and probably also uh, put in a page, a placeholder page that says, hey, we previously had a discussion of matchmaking here. It's not going to apply to everything. It does apply to these things, but because we're the game developers, we reserve the right to figure out where it does and doesn't work going forward in the future, and we made a mistake promising anything else different. If I were Ubisoft, I'd try to get out in front of this, try to figure out store credit, uh, free in-game cosmetic items, something along those lines to try to get value to the people who feel burned by this, even if Ubisoft feels like they shouldn't feel burned by this, because I think it's legitimate. I think it's a legitimate gripe. I think Ubisoft really made a mistake by putting a claim that is that concrete and that express out there in the month before the game released as part of their marketing platform. There's really no argument they can have that it was immaterial or it wasn't intended as marketing. They really have to start getting into the weeds and trying to figure out how to describe it as not applying to raids when I think that in and of itself uh, would be a kind of deceptive claim on their part. So that's what the FTC says about it. The real issue is video games are always going to present a problem for making a legitimate FTC claim because these aren't consumer items that can generally hurt people. Uh, But given the state of the world right now, given the conversations I had with Accursed Farms and Ross about how games as a service is changing paradigms and changing their licenses and a lot of people are upset about it, given that senators in the United States uh, are trying to ban loot boxes and microtransactions that really apply mostly to games as a service, given this current state of affairs, this might be the time that you could make an FTC claim and actually try to get some headway with it, uh, because I do think the government is looking at these kinds of things as is concerned about it. Um, So if you have those kinds of claims, I don't think it's fruitless. I think it's a very difficult road to travel. But this is one of those instances where, like the Anthem Roadmap, I think it's a pretty clear case that Ubisoft got at least some sales that it wouldn't have gotten if it didn't make the claim that it's now walking back within three months of having made it in the first place. And that is the kind of fact pattern, the kind of history that presents a good case for claiming deceptive advertising. And so, unfortunately, this is yet another virtual legality where we're talking about potential bad acts by industry participants. And I don't think this is murder. I don't think this is a super high-end, significantly evil act by Ubisoft. Ubisoft is one of my favorite developers. They make some of my favorite games. But I do think it's a problem, and I do think it is worthwhile to hold corporations, to hold companies' feet to the fire when it's obvious that they made a mistake. And so I think people should continue to be angry, should be continue to be expressing that disappointment and anger to Ubisoft in a respectful way, communicating with them about how they feel that they were deceived in what they purchased with the Division 2. And hopefully, at bare minimum, we can get Ubisoft and Activision Electronic Arts and Sony and Microsoft to change the way they market their continuing service games. Uh, and perhaps going further from that, can get some kind of redress for the folks that really feel burned by the Division 2 and or get matchmaking added. I imagine it's fairly easy to have. They must have been working on the coding for it because it was a promise that they had made when the game was being marketed. So I suspect it's simply an option that they have. And maybe if you push hard enough, you can get that option restored. Uh, So I think it's worthwhile. That's my two cents on this episode of Virtual Legality. If you like this video, please do like, please subscribe. I talk about these things and more on this channel all the time. My most recent video was about the Apple Supreme Court case and what effect it has on the ability to sue uh, walled garden console manufacturers like Apple, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo uh, for their 30% cut that they take from games that are sold in their store. I think that's a very interesting one, and that was a, uh, a Supreme Court case read-through from a lawyer that reads those fairly regularly. Uh, I've also reviewed Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame, done some other pop culture stuff, and generally talk about 
the games industry, information technology, software, and other pieces of business and law that interest me on a regular basis. So check out this channel frequently uh, and uh, tell your friends. I can't get everywhere. I can't get to Reddit, NeoGaff Reset Era uh, a lot during my day job, but every time you share it, it does help uh, grow this channel. We're growing at a pretty good clip now, uh, and I very much appreciate everybody that helps uh, and puts it out there. So if you watch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. If you listen to this on a podcast, thank you so much for listening, and please do review it on whatever service you're listening to it on. That helps as well. And I will catch you on the very next Virtual Legality.